We are glad you're here today. It's a beautiful day. Thank you for your presence today. We're so glad that we have the opportunity to be together. We hope and pray it's been a great week for you. It's a beautiful day, and so we're th very thankful for the opportunity that we have to come together on the first day of the week. We're going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6 in our study today. I do want to say to those of you who are visiting, as always, please know that you are truly welcome here. We're so grateful that you've come our way. We want to encourage you to come back. If you're looking for a church home, as we always do, we try to encourage people to consider the work here. It'd be, certainly be, I guess, a blessing to us if you came our way, joined hands, and began worshiping and working with us on a regular basis. We're going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 6 in our study today, and the theme of our study this morning Rethinking our worship to God. When you contemplate the opportunity to come together on the first day of the week, what comes to your mind? You know, there are a lot of folks in the world today that don't necessarily understand the purpose for coming together. We come together for the purpose of worshiping God in spirit and in truth. You remember Jesus said on one occasion that we are to worship the Lord our God and Him only are we to serve. We're not here to be entertained. We're not here to engage in anything other than glorifying God in worship to Him. And so our study today, I want to think a little bit about worship because I think sometimes maybe we need to step back and come to a better understanding of why we come together. To recognize that worship is a blessing. There are a lot of intrinsic blessings associated with coming together on the first day of the week. Now, we're built up, we're edified by the presence of one another, which would suggest that if People aren't here, they're not being edified, nor can they edify those of us who are here. We come together so that our focus might be on God and so that we might think more deeply about spiritual things. In Isaiah chapter 6, we have Isaiah the prophet in the long ago. In this context, Isaiah talks about seeing the Lord sitting upon His throne. When you begin to read this passage of Scripture. There are things that I think are born out of this experience that helps us to better understand the privilege and the blessings of coming together on the first day of the week. So as you think about worship today and as we contemplate our study, rethinking our worship to God, I want to begin by suggesting that our worship ought to cause us to look upward. Now you remember Isaiah said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And he said, the train of his robe filled the temple. The first thing that I need to understand is the position of the Lord. We're coming together and we are mutually edified by one another's presence. 
but to understand that we are coming together to praise and adore the God who sits upon a throne. As Isaiah said in the long ago, He is high and lifted up. And the reverence and decorum that ought to accompany our worship to God. To understand that God is the creator, sustainer, and redeemer of the heavens and the earth. And that we are entering into a period of worship to glorify Him. The psalmist said in the long ago, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Worship begins by understanding that the God that we serve, the God we worship, is high and lifted up. And then there's a second thought here. It has to do with the holiness of God. Isaiah said, above that throne were the seraphim, seraphim being classes of angels. The Bible talks about the seraphim and the cherubim and principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Again, a reference to classes of angelic beings. And he said, those seraphim, they each had six wings and they cried out before the throne of God and they said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. When we look around in the world today, we see evidence for the God of heaven, don't we? The one who is high and lifted up, transcendent above all. And to understand, the God we're talking about is a God who is holy and righteous. God would say to His people in the long ago, Be holy. Why? Because I am holy. Isaiah knew something about the holiness of God. And one of the things that troubled Isaiah, the sinfulness of the children of Israel. And so, first, the position of the Lord, but then secondly, the presence of the Lord. Isaiah said that the doors were shaken because of the voice that cried out. And he said the house was filled with smoke or the temple was filled with smoke, which indicates unto us that when we come to worship God, we are in the very presence of Almighty God. And that really is the picture in Isaiah chapter 6 in verse 4. That Isaiah was in the presence of God when we come together on the first day of the week. What is it that makes the ground whereon we worship God holy? It's not this building. It's not this lot of land, but rather it is the fact that we are in the presence of Almighty God. As God said to Moses in the long ago, when He called him, He said, Moses, I want you to remove your sandals because the ground whereon you stand is holy ground. We are in the presence of the holiness of God. And He is in our midst. And we're here to worship Him, to magnify His name, as the psalmist said, as David said in Psalm 34, verse 3. Let us magnify the Lord. 
Exalt Him together. We're here to magnify and glorify Almighty God. Do you remember in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, in about verse 29, the writer said that we are to give God the glory due His name. No wonder Jesus said we're to worship the Lord our God and Him only are we to serve. You remember Jesus said at the well, recorded by John in John chapter 4, Jacob's well, he said that God is interested in people worshiping Him in spirit, that is with the right attitude, and in truth according to His authority. So we are here to honor and praise the God of heaven. As the psalmist said in the long ago, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. The word worship means acts of reverence paid to deity. We are giving God that which He is rightfully due. And we're in the presence of God, and that says to me, this is not, quote-unquote, a social hour where we are looking at our phone and sending texts back and forth. We're not passing notes. We're not here to admire how cute children are. We're not here to think about this or that, but rather we are here to glorify God, to magnify Him. The world says we come together to be entertained. We come together so that we might be stimulated. I would grant that coming together, one of the byproducts is we are encouraged and edified and built up in the faith. And there are a lot of byproducts of worship. But ultimately, we're here to bow in the presence of God and to afford Him the glory that He and He alone is due. The psalmist said in Psalm 89, verse 7, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence by all them that are about Him. I have seen worship hours where if I didn't know better, I'd think I was at a ball game. People bustling and jumping up and running in, running out and doing this and doing that. And let me tell you, I see a whole lot more than you think I see. If you think I don't know what you're doing sometimes, you are wrong. Now, I'm not all-seeing as God is, but I see a lot more than you think I do. And I know a lot more than you think I know. You don't need to be concerned about me, but you better be concerned about God. You better understand that you're here in the presence of Almighty God. And you're to worship Him. This is not about you, it's not about me, it's about God. Jesus said, God is spirit, and they that worship Him, God is the audience. We are not spectators here. We are participants. When we come together, do we sing? Or do we listen? If you listen, you're, a particip you're not a participant. You're a spectator. When we partake of the Lord's Supper, is your mind in tune with the events of Calvary? Jesus said that we are to do this in remembrance of Him. Does your mind go back to Calvary? Are you thinking about the body given in your place? Are you reminded weekly of the blood that was shed for your sins? If not, you're not involved in worship. 
You are not a participant. When the Word of God is being shared, are you listening? Are you running the references? Are you trying to learn and to grow? Or are you thinking about what you're going to do in the afternoon? What you're going to eat? This is not play hour. But rather, we are in the presence of God to give Him the worship He is due. John said in chapter 12 that this scene that is before us, that Isaiah saw the glory of whom? Of the Christ. The second member of the Godhead, that's the one who's on this throne. That's the one that we come together to worship. God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son. So first, worship ought to cause us to look upward. Secondly, worship ought to cause us to look inward. Based upon what Isaiah saw and heard, Isaiah said, Behold, I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of an unclean people. What are you saying, Isaiah? Isaiah is saying that when I saw God sitting upon His throne, it said something to me about my condition. Isaiah saw himself as he really was, didn't he? When we come together on the first day of the week, it ought to cause us to reflect upon where we are, spiritually speaking. There was an evaluation and an exclamation. Isaiah said, Woe is me, I'm undone. To understand that without the grace, mercy, and love of God, we would be lost. That we're in the presence of a holy God, and when we look at the holiness of God, we see our imperfections, our shortcomings, our failures, our frailties in this life. When's the last time you did personal inventory of your spiritual life. When's the last time you did some self-examination? Paul said, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. When's the last time you sat down and thought about where you stand in relationship to the God of heaven? Are you where you ought to be? Are you where God thinks you ought to be? How would you describe your faith? Is your faith in a state of infancy? Is it a growing faith? Is it a maturing faith? Is it a dead faith? Where are you spiritually? You remember Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 when he talked about the Lord's Supper. He said, so let a man examine himself. We all ought to do some self-inventory from time to time, shouldn't we? And shouldn't we sit down in light of the Word of God and look at how we're living, how we act, and say, you know what? 
I fit the profile of Scripture or I don't. Isaiah saw his condition. Sometimes one of the real problems in life is being honest with ourselves. Sometimes what others think about us is not what God thinks. You remember the church at Sardis as spoken of by John in Revelation chapter 3? He said, they had a name that they were alive, but God said, you're dead. Are you alive spiritually? Are you dead spiritually? You have to decide, don't you? Are you living faithfully for Christ, or is your life far from what it ought to be? Are you steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord? So, worship. Worship says something about our condition in life. It also says something to us about our need for cleansing in this life. Isaiah said that one of those seraphim flew having in his hand a coal, a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he said, he touched my mouth. And he said, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. Isaiah recognized the need for cleansing. And you remember back in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18, when the prophet said, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. What one of us does not need the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus availing in our lives? We all need the blood of Christ, don't we? Now we can talk about the person of cleansing. That would be the Lord, wouldn't it? The last time I checked, everyone, and I would underscore everyone, needs the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus availing in life. Again, Isaiah said, though your sins be as scarlet, they should be white as snow. The beauty of the blood of Christ, to understand that salvation is in Christ. And when we are baptized into Christ, we contact that blood that washes away our sins, don't we? And the pardon, the purging of that sin. Imagine if you can, Saul of Tarsus. He had been a terrorist he was making havoc of the church, according to Luke. The Lord met him on the road to Damascus. Saul spent three days praying and fasting to God. When Ananias came, Ananias said to Saul of Tarsus, And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. We need the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus in our lives, don't we? And the beauty of being a child of God is as long as we walk in the light, walk in harmony with the Word of God, the assurance is His blood continues to wash away all our sins. Affording us the opportunity to stay in a covenant relationship with God. To recognize that we enjoy the blessings and favors of pardon. Have you been pardoned from your sins? 
Do you enjoy the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus operating day in and day out in your life? Did you know that without the blood of Christ you can't be saved? John said unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins by his own blood. The blood of Jesus is what makes it possible for us to enjoy a relationship with God and to have fellowship with one another, as John said in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. John also said, if we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. We're coming together on the first day of the week to worship the God of heaven and earth. And Isaiah said that when he stood in the presence of God, it caused him to reflect upon his spiritual condition. His statement was, woe is me, I'm undone. I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of an unclean people. Talking about the children of Israel. So in your life today, as you reflect upon where you are spiritually, are you pleased with where you are? But more importantly, is God pleased with where you are? One day we're going to stand before the one that we read about here. And we'll stand before the Lord. As John said in the long ago, I saw, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. Revelation chapter 20. He said God was on that throne and the small and great were before Him. And the books were open. Another book was open. The book of life. You ready for that day? And we talk about the judgment. Standing in the presence of Almighty God. Can you imagine kneeling in the presence of Jesus of Nazareth? Seeing the Lord face to face face to face. Paul said, Every tongue shall confess to God that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. One day we'll all bow. One day we will all make that acknowledgement. That's the one we're reading about right here. And, and to understand that the sin problem has to be remedied today, not once we step out into eternity. No recourse there. There's a third thing that we see in Isaiah chapter 6. Worship ought to cause us to look upward. It ought to cause us to look inward. But then Isaiah said it ought to cause us to look outward. God in the long ago asked this question, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Note, if you would, the change of pronouns there. Suggesting to us the plurality of the Godhead. Remember Genesis chapter 1, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. God wants to know, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? In Isaiah chapter 6, worship ought to motivate us to serve the Lord. Listen, if you would, to what Isaiah said. Pick up with me, if you will. The voice that was heard. He said, I heard the voice of the Lord. And God said, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? 
I've never heard, audibly speaking, the voice of the Lord. I hear it through His Word. But Isaiah said, I heard audibly the voice of the Lord. The voice that was, the voice that was heard. And what God was saying in the long ago, number one, I have a mission. And number two, I have a message. And so listen to what Isaiah said. Isaiah said, here am I, send me. But look if you would at verse 9. And note, if you will, his mission and his message. Go and tell this people, keep on hearing but do not understand. Keep on seeing but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull. Their ears heavy, shut their eyes. And then he goes on to say, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and return, and I heal them. Isaiah was talking to a rebellious people, many of whom had turned a deaf ear to the Word of God. Now I want you to think about something for a minute. God had a mission then, God has a, me a mission today, doesn't He? Didn't Jesus say, go therefore make disciples of all nations? Didn't Jesus say, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature? God has a mission and He has a message. God had a mission then, He had a message then. And sadly, what the prophet was saying, and Jesus quotes Isaiah in chapter 12, using this terminology here. The point being, there are some people who hear, but they don't hear. They see, but they don't see. They say they understand, but they don't understand. How many times, how many times have you heard the Word of God and you say, I hear it, but you really don't hear it? It really doesn't resonate or register. God's Word is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. The intent of which is to bring about change in life. And so, God here is saying to the prophet Isaiah, who was one of the great prophets in his day, a statesman prophet, and God wanted to know in the long ago, whom shall I send, who will go for me? So as we look at Isaiah chapter 6, and as we contemplate what the Lord has said. First, the voice heard, but secondly, the voice heeded. Because Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Number one, Isaiah was available for service. Could I ask you today, are you available to serve the Lord? Are you available to work in His kingdom? Are you willing to share His message with other people? Have you shared His message with anyone in this day and time? Is there anybody that you've talked to about Jesus over the last five months? Anybody you've encouraged to come to worship or Bible study? Anybody you've asked for a Bible study? Anybody you've visited over the past few months? You called anybody and said, you know what, I miss you. 
Have you tried to reach out to some who are discouraged and despondent and depressed? Some who are delinquent, have you talked to them? Have you sent cards of encouragement? Have you sent texts to people that you know need some encouragement? Have you fixed a meal for anybody? Have you, as Paul said, sought to weep with those who weep, to rejoice with those who rejoice? The idea is you're active. You are available for service. Is your shingle out saying, I'm available? Can God count on you? If you are the only person who is a Christian in this community, would people know it? Would people know something about the Lord's church in this community? Isaiah said, number one, he was available. He was available to serve, and number two, he was agreeable to serve. He said, here am I, send me. There are some folks, bottom line, and maybe you're here today and you're one of them. You're not available to serve and you're not agreeable to serve. I know that we live in a day and time when people say, you know what, I'm just so busy. There are some folks, I really think, because they've got so many things going on in their life, they have this idea that if they can somehow clear a little bit of space, they'll work God into their calendar. Well, isn't God lucky? There are some folks haven't been here in 15 or 16 months. If they're not coming together on the first day of the week to worship God in spirit and in truth, I can tell you, some of those folks are as dead spiritually as we will ever see. Dead. Now, I understand there are some folks that are not here because legitimately they have health issues. They're sick, they're shut in. I'm not talking about those folks. But I am talking about people that have the ability and the time to go to Disney. They can go to the races. They can go do this. They can go do that. But they don't have time to worship God and to work in His kingdom. Let me give you a word that needs to resonate. It's called repent. Repentance. Do you understand what we're talking about? Do you understand the seriousness of worshiping God and working in His kingdom? You know, we talk about a devil's hell. And we talk about the danger of living in such a way so that one day we'll be in hell. We talk about it theoretically, but do we talk about it practically? You ever thought about spending eternity in a devil's hell forever? Let me tell you what, there's some folks who are members of this congregation. I'm just telling you straight up. There are some folks who are members of this congregation. If they don't get it right, they're not going to make it to heaven. You may be here today, and your life is not what it ought to be. I want you to leave here today understanding. Your con don't leave here thinking you're in a safe condition. You don't need to think that. No. You need to understand you are lost. You are without hope and without God in this world. And if you die in that condition, you will die and be lost forevermore. Do you understand that? If you know somebody who's unfaithful in this congregation, send them a text. Make a visit. 
pick up the telephone and call them. I told Jared the other day, you know what, I'm through playing with some folks. I'm not playing. I'm just going to be straight up. Folks might not like it, they may get mad, but you know what, I'd rather you be mad at me and do what's right than go to hell. So where do you stand? Isaiah said he stood in the presence of God. One day we'll all stand out on the plains of eternity and we'll be in the presence of God. I know there are a lot of folks, they look at worship and they say, it's boring, I wish you'd hurry up and get over with. Not interested in being around God's people. Listen, if, you, if that's your take, if you're not interested in worship and Bible study and being in the presence of God's, you're, look, you won't be happy in heaven. You really won't. I mean, if that's how you think, don't even think about going to heaven. You'd be miserable. So where are you? We need to rethink our worship to God. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about coming together on the first day of the week and being entertained. It's not about how pretty we sing. It's not about putting on a dog and pony show and entertaining people day in and day out. We got all the bells and whistles. Listen, it's not about any of that. It's about coming together on the first day of the week and bowing in the presence of God and giving Him the homage that He is due. That's it. said a moment ago, God's the audience. When we come together on the first day of the week, we are coming and the aim of our worship is directed upward to God. So my question to you, when you look at your life, are you like Isaiah? Are you unclean? Do you need the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus in your life? If you do, the good news is you can obey the gospel today. You can become a child of God and live with Him forevermore. What would you need to do? Well, you've got to be in Christ. Salvation's in Christ, 2 Timothy 2.10. Jesus is the one who saves from all sin. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. When we come in simple trusting faith, Repenting of our sins and obeying the gospel, being baptized into Christ, the promise is we enjoy forgiveness, remission of sins. God then places us in the church, that is the community of the saved. If we're faithful until death, the promise is the crown of life. If you're here today and your life's not what it ought to be, you're not faithful. Could I encourage you could I encourage you to do what you know you need to do? And that is to make things right with a loving God. So let's say you're here today and you're unfaithful. And you want to be back in fellowship with God. What do you need to do? You need to repent. The Bible says God commands all men everywhere to repent. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Restoration of fellowship restoration of benefits, that is all the blessings and favors of Almighty God. They can be yours. Won't you come today as we stand and sing? I am